Welcome to another edition of Tuttle Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. We got Shotgun Spratling and Chris Trevino joining in a second. I uh, just want to let everyone know what we're doing here uh, at Tunnel Vision. We're starting fall camp. USC fall camp started on Friday. They had a media day on Thursday. So we're going to give you some recap of what we heard from the players and coaches at media day and then talk about day one of fall camp. We'll have a couple practices a week that we'll be able to observe and we'll bring you observations uh, from it, you know, at the show's. At the end of every week, we'll keep doing our podcasts and all that kind of stuff. But make sure you check out uscfootball.com. Tons and tons of content going up there. And right now, till tomorrow, so if you're watching this live on Sunday uh, on Twitter, on uh, YouTube, or on Facebook, if you're watching it live, until tomorrow night, until Monday night, we are going to have a 50% off sale VIP membership. It's great. It's a great deal. Get in there. When that's done, you can you get a Paramount Plus membership along with it as well. But get all the inside scoop of what's going on with this USC football team. Uh, our subscriptions are all-time high. The interest in the program is an all-time high. So make sure you jump in there. Don't miss the deal, 50% off. You can't beat that. All right, well, let me bring in my co-host. We got uh, Shotguns Bradley. We got perfect timing for Chris Trevino. Look, it's live, my man. Things happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hold it. I waited until your spiel was over. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, I'm sorry. That's perfect. Yeah, perfect timing. Uh, we got Shotguns Bradley. We got Chris Trevino. Uh, all in studio, shotguns here on the West Coast. They had to go to a wedding, so uh, we'll welcome those guys in. I, I did this last time, Chris. I welcomed shotgun in first, and it was like a 10-minute thing. So I'm going to say hello to you first. How are you doing, sir? Uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, I know. I was just – I was like, I I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm doing good. You know, I'm feeling glad my uh, fellow Helium boy, I'm going to reach over and break the fourth wall because we are right next to each other. He's here. He's back in the studio. feels good. Feels yep. good to have him back. It's nice. It's good to have uh, Shoddy back. Shoddy, how are you, man? I'm doing well. You know, I'm so excited about football that, uh, you know, getting started, I went for the old, you know, the classic strength coach headbutting someone with a helmet on, and <laughs> it, it didn't go very well. So that's why the hat's forward today instead of backwards, because uh, we're going to need some reconstruction on the forehead a little bit here. Sorry, man. That's Chris, I feel bad for you, Chris, because like a couple weeks ago when I was capping Catalina... I got, I got some, I got a shiner. face plant, shiner, cut my head. Shotgun's got a he head comes cut comes in now. like this. I'm, yeah. I might not, not leave my house for the no. next couple months. I and just, I, I can't risk it. And I can see, I, I tried to zoom in on you a little before the camera. And I have, I'm zoomed in on you too much. I might have to fix that uh, during a little bit later on. So you're a little zoomed in, but uh, my bad on that one. Who, me? Yeah, yeah, you're you're pretty, we got a tight shot on oh, you. No. So it's a good thing you have like the this, pretty beautiful face this there. This ugly no, mug. Not busted up or anything. Should I just so. lean back? You can lean back a little. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. That's there nice. we go. I'm just gonna lean back. Um, I think someone in the chat was saying, uh, "Where we got? Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, SC Neil. Thank you, SC Neil, for reminding everyone. Hey, smash that like button. Subscribe. So if you're watching live on YouTube, it's YouTube.com/slash Inside Troy. The site that uh, our channel over there has been growing and growing. We've put up a ton of video. We still got more video from USC Media Day. 
Chris and I just put up a couple of highlight packages from USC's first practice. We can you know film the beginning when they do stretching and uh, position drills. So we're doing that, and uh, make sure you go check that out. But tons of videos going up over there. So please subscribe. It'll notify you when we go live, and we appreciate that. Um, you know, we did a live instant analysis, uh, which was a lot of fun from from media day and stuff. So we had a good time with that. If you're watching on Facebook, please subscribe. If you're on the Facebook, you're watching us live. Uh, you can, there's a little notification there to let you know, you can subscribe into the notifications or opt into those. So when we do go live, you'll know that. And on Twitter, we'll tweet it out too. So if you're watching on Twitter, thank you for doing all of that. We will bring up your questions and comments a little bit later on the show and, uh, and you know, pull those up and put them on the screen. Uh, so we can answer your questions or talk about any topics that you would like to talk about. We will get to live calls probably in the next couple of weeks. Need to kind of figure out uh, staffing wise. We're going to get someone in here to help us out with production of the show. Uh, we had a couple of people reach out. It's not like a full-time position or something. Someone that's going to help out with the site. We'll have them come in and help us produce the show and be able to kind of bring you all of that from there. So that's my spiel of what's going on. But yeah, like the, like the broadcast wherever you are and uh, subscribe. We appreciate that. But uh, Media Day. It was pretty cool. First time you've done something like that. We've never had like a USC uh, media day before. And this is something that Lincoln Riley gets brought up. A couple dozen players uh, were there in attendance and they, they came out in seven groups, uh, each of our half an hour at a time, every assistant coach uh, and, you know, like 25 players, something like that total, you know, between three and seven in each group. And we got to sit down at tables with them and just kind of interview them, talk to them and stuff. And it was, I thought it was a really nice, you know, kind of atmosphere there to get a, you know, get to know these guys a little bit better. Um, you know, the, the players were in their jerseys, uh, you know, coaches in their polos and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, th I thought it was good. They were pretty relaxed. You could, if you, you could bop around to different tables and talk to different people. And then every half an hour, they'd swap them out, put the name tags out, you know, the little placards out. And move on there but shotgun you were out here for that uh, i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on uh what you saw from media day yeah i, I thought it was a, a great addition to the availability that usc has and, you know we've seen the last couple uh, of cycles with new coaching hires they've done you know some some uh, coaching media days basically having all the coaches available to talk to the media for the first time i thought it was great to be able to talk to and especially with so many new players on the team and we're always trying to build that relationship to kind of find out about these guys a little bit more um, besides just the exact on the field stuff and be able to kind of reference back to other points you know as the season goes along hey you want to do this you know where you feel like you are all those type things you know the maybe the only complaint i have about it would be maybe like a week earlier if possible, but I know that's hard because the players are all come, you know, are all officially on campus. You know, they have some free time before camp, but you know, just so we could get more content out there before the first day of camp, um, because there's so many great stories that came up when you get to sit down and talk with people for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes for some guys, um, you know, and, and just seeing it, it's always one of my favorite things is seeing the players grow not just as players on the field, but as people. And one of my favorite things from uh, Media Day was talking with Tuli Tuli Pelotu for 20 minutes. He has maybe talked to the media 20 minutes so far in his career, and that includes his high school, just because it's very short answers. 
um, in very short interviews. But he, you know, he's, he told me he's been taking a public speaking class, and maybe that's because he's on all these watch lists and you know, obviously getting a lot of, of hype uh, going into the season. But just seeing him grow as a person, that's really cool to me. And we've seen it from other players in the past because USC is one of the few places where players are allowed to speak to the media and on a regular basis. So sometimes, you know, you get player in the NFL. Uh, the reporters always tell us they love USC players because they're prepped. They know how to speak to the media, whereas some other schools they don't get that opportunity, and sometimes it can be a struggle to kind of get information out of them. Um, but you know, I thought I thought that was really cool. That was one of my big takeaways from that day, just seeing someone as a person grow a little bit, and how Tuli Tupelotu could hold a conversation. And it, this was even while he was watching the Dodgers game. He had, he had the Dodgers game pulled <laughs> up on his phone. He didn't want to miss the end. Uh, you know, the rivalry series against the Giants, but he was still holding holding court with with a couple of different reporters there. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's funny. I did an event with uh, Sean Cody and uh, John Jackson last night, and they were kind of giving their thoughts on the team. And I had mentioned Tulip Tulip Pelotu as you know breakout star, potential star, and and Sean Cody, who knows defensive linemen, he agreed. You know, it's, it's he's going to be someone. And if you know if you get to hear a little bit more from him, he wasn't the biggest talker like Shaka was saying. I think it'll be good. Uh, but I think he's someone that could definitely be a leader uh, on the squad. Uh, I mostly talked to coaches and I uh, had a good time, you know, uh, Roy Manning and Dennis Simmons and Alex Grinch and a bunch of guys. It was it was a lot of fun, you know, kind of chatting with those guys, uh, you know, Josh Henson. Um, we put a bunch of those videos up and someone asked in the chat, like that we haven't got all the videos up yet. There's still I still I think Chris probably put all his up. I have a bunch more um, that I need to put up there. So I'll still work on putting those guys up. But Chris, anything, any highlights from Media Day that kind of stood out for you? Um. Yeah, I mean, you were mainly on coaches. I know Shotgun was bopping around. I would randomly find myself with more so of the transfers than anything. You know, I got to talk to Terrell Bynum, Travis Dye, you know, who was here in the spring. Bynum was here in the spring. But I also got to talk to two of the big new name guys that we hadn't talked to yet. That being, you know, Ohio State safety transfer, Bryson Shaw. And obviously the big one, uh, Pittsburgh transfer, Blitnikoff winner, first team All-American uh, all-around Maryland legend uh, Jordan Addison was obviously the big one everyone wanted to talk to. There was a line of people. Well, the table was full that he was going to sit at, and they were like, no, he's not coming in yet. He's got to do radio. Then he's got to do TV, so you guys can go move around. But some people stayed because they wanted to lock down their spot to be at the Jordan Addison interview table. And, you know, I would mentioned this before, but I think it was nice to see his personality come out a little bit because we kind of chatted with him a little bit just casually at the uh, uh, QB Clarkson retreat, he was there with uh, Caleb Williams and Mario Williams. You know, this was like right after his official transfer had taken place. And so there was a lot of still, you know, that hate floating around on social media and a lot of things being said about him. So I think he was a little bit more gun shy towards the media um, at that point uh, out there in the, during the spring or summer, whenever that happened. But uh, on Friday, you got to see his personality come out a little bit. You know, someone would ask him how, how he's like in L.A. You know, he'd shoot a smile and be like, yeah, I'm loving it out here. How are you liking it, LA? What, what do you like to do out here? So he was kind of giving that some some of that personality, which obviously is a nice thing to do when you're in an LA media market. And you know, it was nice to see him rocking that number three. I, I told Ryan on uh, on the first day of practice, uh, I almost for I almost he's not you know obviously like six foot six or anything like that. He's you know he's barely six foot. He doesn't really stand out like that physically until you put the pads on and start making plays. But I, I realize, you know, there's a number three jersey walking out. Oh, wait, that's Jordan Addison. Because you don't see that number three jersey. You know, that that's not a number that's been worn on the practice field. And, you know, that it was nice to see that number three out. So that was something that really stood out to me. Yeah. Know, getting to talk to him and Bryson Shaw. I feel like, you know, 
it was really a good opportunity for Jordan Addison to kind of show, you know, it, his name was dragged through the mud uh, that, you know, his old former coach, Pat Narduzzi at Pitt had some, you know, non-flattering things to say about that whole process. And it's so weird when you just look at it on the surface, like, you know, he's a kid that lost his quarterback, you know, that got drafted by the Steelers. He, his position coach, his offensive coordinator, Lincoln Riley becomes this hot thing on the West coast and you get to play with Caleb Williams. And there's some obvious reasons why you would come move out from Pittsburgh to LA and, and join the Trojans team. And, you know, it, it wasn't USC. The, the ironic part is USC is not someone that has all their ducks in a row when it comes to collectives and, and money being paid out and stuff. So that's the weird part. And I feel like, you know, he, there were some, you know, arrows and slings you know thrown at him. And I feel like, this was a chance for him to kind of speak about it. Lincoln Riley, you know, talked about it a little bit at Pac-12 Media Day, and then him, you know, Jordan Addison got a chance to sort of, you know, give his piece, which I thought was great. And then we got to see him on Friday out there catching passes and stuff. And I think it can be more about football and stuff for him. But there was kind of a long wait between when we heard about Jordan Addison coming to USC and then and now. But uh, I don't know. What did you think about the whole thing, thing Shotgun? I mean, I, I thought it was interesting listening to all the other players. I haven't got the chance, actually, to listen to Jordan Addison's, uh, you know, interview yet. Um, but that actually gave me, I thought it was fun, because he came in late. Everyone swarmed over there. I got some one-on-one -on -one time with some players, and I thought that was really interesting, kind of hearing some, you know, uh, off-the-cuff stories and whatnot from last year's. And, you know, I was talking with Malcolm Epps, and, you know, um, Luke, uh, not excuse me, not Luke Hurd. Zach Hansen, the tight ends coach, said he's running almost 21 miles an hour now. So I went and asked him about that, and he said, "Yeah, I'm getting really close." He said, "I get really mad now when I don't when uh, when I I don't get 20 miles an hour where used to be. You know, previously, if you got to 20 miles an hour, you thought it was an accomplishment. And I think that I thought that was a you know just a mind you know an eye opening um, you know nugget of what the strength and conditioning how it is actually visibly being uh, being seen for this team so I thought that was a nugget that I, I didn't get a chance to put in the war room either I literally I left the, the media day and went straight to to wedding activities for this weekend so um, you know but I, I thought it was interesting just getting some of those nuggets like that you know when you get a chance to sit down with people for a little bit longer than you know a three minute interview a five minute interview at the end of a practice you can find out a little bit more about them and you know just hearing about some of the individual players that maybe haven't been brought up. Uh, Sierra's Wright's name came up a couple of times. Makai Blackman said he has really matured from the spring, said he's the guy that's made the biggest jump for him. And then, you know, obviously I talked to him and Jalen Smith about, uh, you know, about their cornerback, uh, you know, their fellow, fellow defensive back and said, what's it like having a teammate on TV? And they both were just kind of blown away by, you know, what he's doing as far as being on a tr an actual television show and not just a one-off thing in a, in a movie um, and how they're seeing him on commercials and all that. So it was kind of interesting. They both lit up when, when talking about Sierra Wright and the big jump that he's made on the field, but also, you know, how he's maturing away from the field as well. And that includes with his acting career. Yeah. Um, Chris, we have to address something before we get into day one of fall camp. Oh, no. Uh, I have a, a comment that came up here from Eddie. Okay. Question. And I, it, the, I don't think the emojis come up uh, on the screen for some reason, but those are a little like uh, emergency, you know, like yeah. siren emojis. Should Chris go to jail for not listing solo as a starter at defensive end? Are you going to defend yourself, I'm Chris? at the mercy of the court. I don't. I can't describe my own punishment. This goes to you two to describe if I should go to jail for not having solo Tulia Pupu as the starting defensive end. Yeah, we uh, we didn't get to hear from him at media day, but I did put in a request. 
to talk to him this week. So we're going to get to talk to defensive players on Wednesday. So hopefully we'll get to uh, hear from him. Uh, Chris, I know you put up a highlight video on our YouTube channel. Did you have any solo shots in there? I did. There's some solo shots All right. in there. So make- very quick and very violent on the bags. Probably the quickest pop. So you can go watch that for yourself. Check it out. I also put up uh, a highlight video or like uh, I used to call them sights and sounds, but because they're playing music in the background, we can't really play the the track, you know, the, the sound part, the, the the natural sound because there's music and then YouTube flags you for being, uh, you know, copyright infringement. So we so I put some other underlining music underneath Gerard Martinez uh, produced music. Uh, underneath uh, the highlights in there, but I'll uh, I'm gonna start. I can play some of the highlights that I put up there. I'll show it on the screen, and I'll throw it to Chris to let him talk about some of his observations from day one of uh, USC fall camp. And I'll I'll play this video for you guys. You don't have to comment Is on the that- video, Chris. Just you're just talking like what what some of the stuff you saw. That's such an open and vague question, Ryan. I like specific questions. Specific questions. Okay. What impressed you were watching the defense more? So tell yeah. me about what you saw on the defensive side. But let's start with the defensive line because they looked a little bit bigger. To be honest with you, Ryan, I know like someone that jumped out to me was Tyrone Teleni. Uh. Like I was looking at it number, and I was like, that guy looks bigger. And I was like, oh wait, that's Tyrone. And so, but the real big star of the defensive line for me was the freshman, true freshman Devin Tompkins, who I wrote about this in my uh, my ghost notes, but. Devin Tompkins, who is a six foot six, I believe he was around two thirty when he signed out of NorCal, was a basketball player. For those of you who don't know his story, was a basketball player, um, and he didn't play high school football into his senior year. And then once he got on the field, you know, it was boom, boom, boom. I think after his first game, his first Friday Night Lights in high school, I think he picked up uh, like six offers right after that. USC was one of them. He committed to USC under the previous staff. I believe he committed to. Dante Williams is the interim coach, but he was one of the few uh, commits in the prior staff that Lincoln Riley decided to keep uh, within this uh, this 2022 class. And, you know, he signed as an edge player. He was rated as an edge player. So, you know, I think coming in, I, I expected him to play in that rush end spot. But he was walking with the D-line, and he looked impressively big. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like when those those pads come on you obviously have to see what it looks like for him he is a raw prospect like i said only one season of high school football to his name so he has some development to do really raw but he was big he did not look 230 he looked like he was pushing 250 and he looked built he did not look like a basketball player you know it looked like he shed or he didn't shed you know when basketball players and football players when they go back and forth they have a hard time keeping on that weight because they're they're trimming down for basketball season you don't want to be Big and bulky when you're on the hardware, you need to be, you know, quick and fast. You got all that cardio, you're burning all those calories. And he looked like he had put all that weight on. And so I don't know what he looked like because I didn't get to see him play in high school, but there's a chance, you know, Benny Wiley stacked him with some weight and he looked really good. And I'm excited to see what he looks like. He reminded me of not in terms of skill, but Tuli Tui Pelotu, if you remember when he came on campus as a freshman, he looked like a college football player already. And Devin Tompkins obviously has a body type similar to that, and he looks physically ready. Obviously, we need to see what it looks like in terms of, you know, that football IQ, you know, the developmental stuff, seeing what it looks like in pads, you know, getting the defense down, all that kind of thing. He's got to learn some football stuff, but he looks physically impressive. And that was kind of the one of the things that stood out to me watching that group. 
Um, cool. Thanks for that. That was perfect timing. That's right. It's the video. I, I, I know my video. That's I know pretty, my video. I memorized it. That was like a three-minute deal. Um, from, so From watching this video, because, again, this is the first time I've gotten a, gotten a chance to see it because I have basically not had my computer all weekend. But you, one of the things that stand out is the snappiness of how things are going. Between reps, how quickly guys are getting up to the line, how you know efficient they're going about the entire practice, it looks like. And which is interesting because – that first practice was what two and a half hours. Yeah, it was long. So if they cover, you know, if they kept that same pace throughout, just think of all the work they're actually getting in in that two and a half hours. You know, that's really impressive to me. It didn't, you know, and maybe this is Brian's editing, but you know, you're not seeing any guys walking around. You're not seeing, you know, any time between reps. You know, waiting on someone or some, you know, waiting on a quarterback to get a ball. All that stuff seemed very snappy. Those small details. You know those small details we always talked about the last half decade, the last decade. Yeah. You know that USC just didn't always have not you know figured out. That's something that, that catches my eye in this one little small video clip. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and we have to edit it kind of tight because we only get to put up you know three minutes. But uh, yeah, I, I think one of the things I noticed from just you know if you see there was a couple uh, defensive back drills you'd see it like Zamarian Gordon make it a play. You see Kalen Bullock. Look at the, around the the player that's making that's doing the drill. So it would be like they'd run a route or whatever, and then they you know the coach would throw a pass. They have to intercept it. There's a lot of people in line in the corner line. There's a lot more people in the safety line. There's a lot more people. There's more people when you look at the the linebackers, uh, the defensive line. It's a much deeper group and for each unit than we saw in the spring. Uh, I think across the board, it's just you know we don't. We didn't really get to see the offense kind of break out into their positions. They were kind of doing throw-in lines where everybody's in line. So you don't, you know, but all the groups that we're seeing out there, it just looked a lot deeper to me. I don't know if you noticed the same thing, Chris. Or... Yeah, absolutely. It was, it looked just so much deeper across the defensive side of the ball. I know Brian Odom, when I was in his, you know, media event or media table, you know, he was very excited about them having depth now. Obviously, they added Eric Gentry, Carson Tabarucci. He'll be back soon. He's still limited. Uh, they'll get him in there, uh, and they just have so much more to work with now. Uh, Nick Figueroa, he mentioned that they're, they're deeper now; they're much more deeper, and you know they're really excited about that. Just having that depth because injuries happen, and if you're not deep, you know that could give you real issues throughout the season, as we've seen with USC teams in the past. So, just seeing all that depth, I think the most important one was was uh, one linebacker, yes, but two the cornerbacks because the cornerbacks got really, really low at the end of spring. You had Makai Blackman out, and now you get him back. He's healthy. You had Damani Jackson, Josh Jackson, both coming off their injuries. Yeah. Pretty limited for the most part, so they weren't really full participants, couldn't do team stuff. They're back. They're looking good. And then, obviously, you added Jacoby Covington, the Washington transfer. So that, that room has completely been bolstered uh, after this summer. So uh, it, everyone is looking pretty healthy, and everyone's looking you know, ready to compete for some jobs out there on the defense. Yeah, Bryson Shaw looks like he's wearing – some of the numbers are different. So, like, Bryson Shaw is wearing 27. Kalen Bullock switched to seven. He looks he looks like he's filled out more to me, Chris. Uh, but Bryson Shaw, if you look in that video, he had a one-handed uh, interception in that one in one of the drills. So, he looks uh, he looked pretty good. And uh, But it's fun to see some of the guys. I thought Michael Jackson looked, like, significantly bigger. Chris is like, hey, he's always been pretty jacked. But um, to me, he looked pretty big. I don't know. You were going to say something, Shotty? Um, I, you know, you were mentioning, you mentioned Makai Blackman and it, it triggered something that he said, you know, talking about, hey, he transfers in, learning everybody's name, all this. 
He said it was basically I had to learn a, a ton of new guys' name in the summer, and that talks to the depth that they were able to add from after the spring. And some of it's walk-ons, but just you know more bodies, more. And you look at the you know you mentioned a couple of different positions, but you look at the quarterback room. And it's not you're not bringing in some other big name quarterback, but now they have five guys in there that are you know quality guys. You have two quality walk-ons um, instead of you know guys that are. Just, just out there to try to throw the ball, but these guys can throw the ball legit. Guys because, that Lincoln went after, to yeah, get. That, to bring in as walk-ons. Whereas before, you had Brad Oakey, you had Isaac Ward, and, you know, not to you know, you know, look down upon those guys or anything. But Brad Aoki was a walk-on defensive back, train uh, did turn to walk-on wide receiver to you know walk-on quarterback. He's like five nine, not the arm strength necessarily that you're looking for for your scout team because that's yep. what those guys end up doing. So adding Jake Jensen as an extra scholarship piece as a third string guy and then adding those two other guys, one, you're taking throws off of Caleb Williams and, and Miller Moss that they have to make during uh, practice. But also that, you know, maybe they're a walk-on because their abilities aren't as great as Caleb Williams and Miller Moss, but maybe they also are very intelligent in the film room. You know, you know, you never know what those guys can provide there, uh, and so just bringing in guys that are true preferred walk-ons that Lincoln Riley went out and, and sought. Now you have five quarterbacks in that room, and even though two of them are walk-ons, you feel a little bit more comfortable with what they're capable of giving you for your scout team and giving you on the practice field every day. So that's another position group that really grew during the offseason. Yeah, we had a question from uh, YouTube from Gary. Any impressions on how Eric Gentry looked? I did have one clip of Eric Gentry in there when it was, uh, I think, one of the sled drills or something. He looks tall. He looks thin, I would say. Like, I mean, I don't know. Any other thoughts from what you saw, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a really interesting body type. You don't see that at inside linebacker, you know, six foot six, 210 pounds. I was interested to see, like, in terms of his weight, what he kind of looked like. He still looked around 210 pounds. Um, I'm sure they're wanting to try to get that up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, he stands out immediately, you know, when he's coming up the, the, the tunnel, it's like, did a basketball player grab the wrong uniform or what's going on here? So he was, he was out there, looked like he was working kind of on the second unit, um, in terms of the, the drill hierarchy, um, which, you know, something I coined, uh, but he, he moves well for being six foot six, 210 pounds. He's got athleticism. So it was nice. They were doing some of those ball drills where he kind of dropped back, pick the ball off and take off. And I was watching him and he, he moves well. For being six foot six and being an inside linebacker, obviously has a lot more surface area to make tackles. So I'm excited to see what those tackling drills will look like uh, when they get the pads on. So, you know, I thought it was a good first day. He definitely catches your eye, and we'll be keeping a closer eye on him as we move forward. You know, as he tries to push uh, for, you know, a rotational spot or maybe even the starting job, trying to take that away from a Raylan Goforth or, you know, kind of push Rajon Davis out of that number two spot. And, you know, Brian Odom said, this is a guy who. I'm pretty sure he's going to try to make an he's going to make an impact uh, year one. He didn't come here not to make an impact. You know, he was a freshman All-American last season. He he has experience. He wants to make plays, and he's going to push for for time on this team. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, he's someone I'm just really excited about. He looks so just like just oozing with potential at Arizona State. So you kind of want to see what he can do. What were you going to say, Shadi? I think you look at Kalen Bullock and see the oh. weight that USC has put on him since last season, and that gives you maybe a blueprint. Now, just because there's kind of similar body types, obviously it's a different positions. So you're trying to – you want to build specific muscles a little bit differently for different positions. And that's one of the things, talking with some of the players, that they mention that they really like about Benny Wiley. Because, you know, 
strength coaches all you know do a good job most of the time, but you know you I I always ask what's the biggest difference. You know, because most players are not going to say, oh, that strength coach last year was terrible. But one of the things that, that a lot of people have said when I've asked them about the strength and conditioning program is that we do more uh, sports-specific and position-specific drills mm. that will really help them. It's not just about just getting stronger. It's about getting stronger for their position, whether that whether you're a guy in the trenches, whether you're a quarterback, whether you're a receiver or safety, you know, what's going to make me a better player on the field rather than just making me a stronger player, which getting stronger just in general is a positive for football players. But if you can do it sport uh, uh, position specific, that makes it even that much better. So I thought that was interesting. And seeing what Kalen Bullock and the weight he's been able to put on, I think that's a positive for what you think that Eric Gentry can eventually put on at USC and, you know, as he is in this program a little bit longer as well yeah uh we had another question this is a facebook question so yeah we're we can we're able to put up facebook and youtube questions up on the screen from uh brandon who's been active in the chat he says how is damani jackson looking do you think he has the ability to start at the beginning of the season or take over midway obviously he's a five-star talent it was a it was a blow that he wasn't able to get a full spring he got some yeah. spring at the end you know they were they were really limiting him he mainly did rehab for those first few weeks of camp and then by the end you know him and josh jackson they got their reins taken off a little bit and they could do some individual drills you could tell they were really winded at the end you know they were sucking down water they were huffing and puffing damani hasn't played football in a minute you know, just because he he kind of missed his senior year with that knee injury, kind of recovering from that. But, you know, I was watching some of the drills, and he looked really good. You know, I posted it on our TikTok, and most of the comments are about, number one, looks really good. So you can you can find that on our TikTok if you follow us at The Peristyle. Quick little plug. I love plugging stuff on this. But, you know, he's, you know, six foot one, built physically. He does not look like a freshman in, in those terms. So, you know, I think... He's going to have to work a little bit harder just because he is, you know, a little bit rusty from not having played football, didn't really do much in the spring. But I absolutely believe he can be a guy. I don't think it's it's going to be starting on the season opener, but I would not be shocked if, you know, midway, you know, he's pushing for more time. He's got speed. He's big. He's a 10, like, three guy or something like that. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous speed. Um, so, and that's something Alex Grinch likes. So if, if he's if he's clicking it and he's putting it on together on the field, you know Lincoln Riley says he likes to bring freshmen along slower than most. Um, but if he's earning it in practice, you know I think we could see him uh, definitely even even with special teams as well. But I would say more of a midseason uh, potential to to come in and maybe uh, take take a take a starting spot um, as opposed to uh, season opener. The, yeah. The word that was used to describe him to me was that guy's a freak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what it's do you mean? Word. And they talked about the size, the speed, everything. Um, I said, so what does it take for him to kind of get on the field? And it was basically like he's just got to learn, you know, all the things you would expect a freshman that has to learn. Yeah. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the size and the fact that he's back healthy now. Um, everyone's kind of, you know, you, he's one of those names that gets whispered about, like, oh, I want to see what he's going to be by the end of the year. I want to see what he's going to be in two years type of thing. Um, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if, like Chris said, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting some series early in the year. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think back to Iman Marshall or Dory Jackson at that cornerback position where, hey, they got three, four series as true freshmen early in the season, maybe one or two, and that slowly grew a little bit and a little bit. And both those guys were starting by the end of their freshman year and being you know regular contributors, at least uh, in, in their rotation. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case for him. Um, but I think the, the cornerback battle has gotten much more intriguing to me. I mean, from where it was in spring, it was like, okay, Makai Blackman's going to start, and then who could it be? I think that battle for the other spot is, is going to be really interesting because Damani's healthy. You got Covington coming in, uh, Latrell McCutcheon. Those two guys, both Covington and McCutcheon, you go, where are they going to line up? And where are they going to stay at the positions they're starting a fall camp at? Because I had someone else tell me McCutcheon, you know, and – Oklahoma fans kind of dogged him when he was, you know, when he transferred to USC, saying I did that wasn't a big loss for them. And they're like, that dude is a dog in a good, not not in the way that the Oklahoma fans were speaking, but that he's out there making plays. Makai Blackman obviously was making a lot of plays in the spring before he got hurt. So you know, I'm much, I'm really intrigued by that cornerback position. I think Joshua Jackson Jr. is another guy looking to see where he's taking that step forward and what people have said about Sierra Wright that he's really matured over this all season. A position that I thought was a big concern. Who's going to start outside Blackman? I think now is a really interesting uh, conversation. Yeah, for sure. And uh, along those lines, uh, Brendan had another question from Facebook. Do you think the defense could surprise the Pac-12, maybe even the nation being better than expected? And uh, I actually talked about this yesterday a little when I did that USC event and you know talked to Sean Cody a little bit about it. Just seeing the depth out there uh, from that first practice was impressive. Um, it's you know, if you're talking to a national media member, like, oh, USC stinks on both you know, both lines. They don't stink on the offensive line. There's a lot of veteran guys coming back. And I think, you know, a guy like Tuli Tuli Pelotu can be great. Um, you know, if, if Brandon Peely can be a contributor, you know, you love what Nick Figueroa brings back in that experience. There's a lot of guys there. It's going to be how well do they, they – they just didn't add, like, the super, superstar, like you've added on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, like these national, national guys. Shane Lee looks like he can be – an absolute stud, you know, and he was a freshman All-American at, at Alabama, just hadn't done much the last couple of years, but he's looking like he can do stuff now. You know, a guy like Romello Height just looks like oozing with potential. He has an SEC body, he can get off the edge. I, I mean, I am, Brendan, a little bit more optimistic about how good this defense can be. Remember how bad they were last year, like historically bad in the hundreds of like, you know, points per drive kind of stuff. Like it was really awful, this defense. Um, so, as the, the days go by, I'm getting more optimistic that this defense can be, you know, pretty good. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, you're, if you're just comparing it to last season, yeah, they're going to look amazing compared. I think they're going to be good to slightly above average. And I think for me, I think it just comes down to are they getting to the quarterback? Because they don't have a lot of proven pass rush ability. You know, they went out and got Solomon Bird, who has 11 and a half career sacks. You know, that's a good start. Um, you have Tuli Tuopolotu, who I think could be a monster, uh, picking up sacks and tackles for a loss. You know, Nick Figueroa, he was banged up. You know, in his breakout season, I believe he led the team in sacks and tackles for a loss. So he's got some ability too. But you throw in Romello Height, you know, who has a ton of potential, but just doesn't have a college career sack. But if he does that, you know, he's beaten up on the Pac-12. Uh, you know, he was in at an uh, SEC country for his first two years at Auburn. So he's seen some things in practice. So if he can, you know, dominate the Pac-12, that's great for this defense, and that's great for the secondary, and that's great for the linebackers, and that's great for the D-line. And if Corey Foreman, 
you know, the expectations super high on him with this staff in year two, you know, inconsistent last season, you know, didn't get on the field as much as fans wanted him to, probably didn't get on the field as much as he thought he should be. Um, but obviously it was a mess last year. But if he takes that jump, you know, he is a guy who has the potential to be a first-round draft pick. That's the kind of intangibles he has. That's why he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. That's why he was the number one overall player in his class. So he has the potential to be the best player on this defense, point blank. And if he gets a little bit closer to reaching that that ceiling in year two, and I think the defense is going to be okay because they're going to be causing havoc. You know, they don't have a ton of depth on defense, but they have some guys that can that can really contribute. And if they can, if that front can cause pressure, take some pressure off of the a young secondary that doesn't have a lot of experience but a lot of talent. Yeah, I think this team could grow. I think there'll be growing pains, but I think this team could be good to somewhat above average and be among the top in the Pac-12 just because they have a lot of talent. They just need a little more experience across the board. Yeah. I think the addition of Romello Height could be the difference maker because not only can do we think he has the, uh, you know, like you said, he's oozing with potential, the big body. He's, you know, been able to get a lot of pressures in his career but not get the sacks. But I think – Having him in front of Corey Foreman, and because Romello came in and practiced really well in the spring, so he's starting out fall camp as you know the guy in front of Corey Foreman. You push Corey Foreman, and if we see the Foreman that he is capable of being, I think now you have the potential of having two elite pass rushers that you can either rotate. Sometimes you'll get them on the field at the same time. You do some different things like that. And I think that, again, that then creates that havoc in the backfield and can make up for maybe – you know, the, the depth issues that you may have in the interior of your defensive line or make up for some, you know, a young secondary that doesn't have a ton of experience outside of Makai Blackman. You know, if you can get to the quarterback, it changes everything because an offense just can't run, you know, can't run their plays with the timing that they want to. So I think that addition could be the game changer for this defense. I think Shane Lee is in a similar boat in a different way just because the leadership he brings and how everyone has kind of gravitated towards him and, you know, that no-nonsense, no sense um, type of, of leader that he is where he's not going to yell at you and do all this type stuff but everyone follows him because you know that's the guy on, on that defense you know he's the guy that everyone kind of looks up to as a veteran a guy who's played in the SEC a guy who started was a freshman All-American all that type stuff at Alabama um, so I think those two guys from two rivals in the SEC could be the difference makers and then you add in Eric Gentry you add in Bryson Shaw some of these other pieces they've added could be really big pickups as well, but those two, I think, can change the dynamic of the defense in a different way, not just with their play itself, but what they do for the rest of the defense. So I think when you add those pieces and then you see when Kalen Bullock steps on the field this year, you see a guy like that and that's the steps he's going to be taking from that freshman year to now, everyone is just raving about him yeah. right now. Um, that you know You see some of those pieces that take that – first or second year, you know, getting some playing time now, take a big jump, and now the defense can be a lot better than it was last year. Can yeah. we get a shotgun rant on uh, Kalen Bullock not even getting honorable mention? <laughs> I, I tried to do a, a Chris Trevino rant on it. It was, the, it was the, okay. ultimate dis- you kind of felt <laughs> the ultimate though. disrespect. You yeah. know, it, it's if it was postseason, I would give it. But it's preseason. It doesn't matter um, because in the postseason, he's going to be there on that. Um, just listen to everyone as long as he stays healthy because just the plays that he's making, I asked Makai Blackman, I was like, is there any other safety that you play with that's like him? He's like, he thought about it for a minute, tried to be give a real true, honest answer. And he's like, no, nah. I can't think of anyone. Yeah. He's like the way he goes sideline to sideline. And you hear that about safeties, 
But and this is putting way way high praise on him. But I think he has the eventual potential to at least just sideline sideline. I don't know about every other thing else, and you know the you know the the mind portion of it and the studying. But he goes sideline to sideline like Ed Reed was able to go sideline to sideline at Miami. Okay. So that is super high praise, um, but that's the potential he has. He hasn't really reached that yet, and we haven't seen it, but we've seen glimpses of yeah. it, and that's what he could potentially be. Now he's got to put it all together because if you ever listen to an interview with Ed Reed, you go, that guy's on a completely different level what he does on from Monday through Saturday um, in, in the NFL, like what he did those to create all the plays that he made. But then the athleticism steps in. If Kalen Bullock can do those things, he has that potential um, just as an athlete. So that's that's not my rant, but that's just giving you uh, what I think. It just of, fuels of more. It just <laughs> yeah. fuels it more. And I even asked Jordan Addison, like, who's standing out to you on the defensive side of the ball in PRPs? And he, Kalen Bullock. Okay. You know, he kind of said some of the things. He's got incredible range. The guy is just an athlete. And he's got that that coverage ability. He can get in those windows. He's so long. Obviously, we know that. So he's a, he's a freak. You know, obviously, he's still gaining weight, but he looks good. He's, he's added some more, uh, more armor. He's got, he's got some armor on his body, you know, hold up for a full season, you know, being at that safety position, making all those hits, all those tackles. So that was a guy who caught Jordan Addison's eyes. So that means, you know, it's real. That's something. One, uh, one, more, guy piece, you, oh. one more piece of praise for, for Kellen Bullock. I was talking to Malcolm Epps. And I, you know, I was like, you know, what's it like going against him, you know, one on one, seeing him in the middle of the field, type of thing. And he's like, that dude's almost as big as me. <laughs> and like Malcolm Epps is six six, and we just said he's running twenty one miles an hour, yeah. which is absurd. Is really really fast, or twenty two miles an hour, I believe it was, or almost twenty two. Um, there, there, I believe there's one player on the team. If if what other players have said that's running twenty three. Caleb Williams said that he believes Jordan Addison was yeah, right. Yeah, I think Addison was or something. Yeah. Um, Jalen Smith is actually in the 22 club, and he told me he thinks he's third fastest on the team uh, as far as their mile per hour. Now, this is not their 40 times. The, yeah. but this is the data they receive from the catapult systems and stuff. I think Ray Lake's up there too probably. And so if you have a, a tight end that's 6'6 and can move that way, which – Malcolm Epps could have a giant breakout season if, if used, uh, you know, in some different ways than he was last year. He says going up against Kalen Bullock, he's like, we like we go at it. And he said, we we count each rep, you know, and then there's a lot of trash talking back and forth. He said when one of them does win a rep uh, definitively. Uh, but he like I asked him about him. and He's just like that. That guy is it's unbelievable that he's six four and he can run like he does. Um, so Kalen Bullock is getting a lot of praise from people and just hope he stays healthy this year. So everyone gets to see see it on uh, Saturdays. Yeah, uh, CJ, you're getting a lot of screen time. I put your comment up or your question up like. I don't know, 10 minutes ago when we kept going off on the Caleb Bullock. But the, you guys had mentioned Corey Foreman, so I wanted to put CJ's question up. Are they trying to use Corey Foreman in space or just at rush end? We don't want a Sua Cravens, Drake Jackson, quote, out of place position situation again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much they're going to do with that. Obviously, we have to see it a little more, you know, in games and stuff. But that, that rush end position does have some coverage responsibilities. Um, so will that be more of a Romello height who I feel like his body type fits more of that outside linebacker kind of role. I believe he was rated as an outside linebacker kind of role. He's a little bit, I would say he's a little bit, uh, skinnier in the hips than Corey Foreman. I feel like Corey Foreman is more, uh, in terms of the hybridness, I feel like Corey Foreman is more defensive end than outside linebacker. Romello height is more outside linebacker defensive end. So that might be more of a responsibility for Romello height to do 
in, in certain packages. And, you know, I feel like if you want to get them both at the same time, you could put Corey at the defensive end spot and let uh, Romello handle that rush end spot. If you're trying to get creative, maybe he's the one who drops in coverage while Corey's rushing. Or you mix it up a couple times because, you know, you don't want him to get – you don't want it to be a tell for your defense uh, moving forward. But I would say probably Romello has more – a better coverage ability than, than a Corey. Yeah. But, again, that's something we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. But that position does have some coverage responsibilities. Yeah, there's some space there. It's not just, you know. Uh, Mr. FL, prediction on Solo, Solomon Tulele, poo-poo, and the amount of playing time he gets this season. What do you guys think? I'm leaving this one to you, Chris, because I guess see him out there and play in a game first. He's played one snap in his career. I'm not going off. The, the pair style wants him. I don't care. The pair style wants that's him. That's why I'll leave it to Chris. Thank you think he's going to um, play much? I think he's going to play. I okay. think he's earned the right to play. And if you listen to Sean Nua talk about him, I think he's certainly earned the right to play. And that's going to be like – it's going to be like Rudy. Even though Rudy was not real in a sense, this is going to be – because Sholo's the opposite of Rudy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he's an actual football player and he can actually do things <laughs> on the field. Well, I'm probably triggering a lot of people and I love it. You might but be. I might be. Uh, but I think Solo has certainly earned the right, and I think when he does get on the field, and he will get on the field, and he makes a play, the Coliseum might explode. You know, it might it might blow up. So, so I asked Sean Nua what was his reaction going to be, metaphorically speaking, to what uh, you know the first time that Solo makes a big play, and he said, "I might run out in the field and get a 15 yard flag. It's like I <laughs> might, it. I might go Worth out and it. celebrate with him. That's his position on coach. The field. Yeah, his position coach. And I asked somebody else, and they were just like, it's going to be so amazing. Um, so, you know, everyone is rooting for him. Same with Max Williams, those two guys that have struggled through injuries in their career. Everyone wants to see them do well. They're both such hard workers. But for me, I got to wait and see him on the field a little bit more no. uh, before I can. It's okay. You know. can come talk to me. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to give you everything you want to hear about it. I'm not going to peg him a starter. But, you know, I watched Solo after Friday's practice staying behind to work with Tuli Tu Pelotu. They were getting one-on-one time together. And that tells me that's a guy who, you know, I'm number one, wants to get better, uh, working with the, the best defensive lineman on the on the team. And obviously that's a duo I would never want to fight in a bar. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. Like, never. if they hit on my girlfriend, I'm walking out. <laughs> I'm out of there. But... That tells me that, you know, Solo's serious about the season. And I've never doubted he wasn't serious about the season. But that tells me, like, oh, Solo's going to do some stuff this year. And I think he's going to be on that rotation. I think it'll be, um, you know, guys when guys need breathers, you know, he's going to be able to come in, give a couple snaps, a couple series. Uh, I don't think it'll be garbage time. I think he'll play some in some, in some you know, significant, you know, second, second quarter, early third quarter, stuff like that. I think he, yeah, rotational. Yeah. I think he's going to be on the two deep in terms of that rotation, and you know, I think he can move up to maybe being a direct backup at some point, depending on how things shake out. Um, but he's doing really well. I think that's what's important. He's healthy right now. He's working with that D line. He's he looks bigger. He looks he's always mean, but he's always you know no he's really nice off the field, but he's mean on the field. And I think he's doing everything he needs to do to to play this season. Yeah. And I'm curious because one of the things because we're only being allowed to see 15, 20 minutes is, you know, what does he actually look like? This is a new position. This yeah. isn't where we've ever seen him in high school, even when, you know, he was dominating as a linebacker at modern day. Like this is not what we've seen before. So that's one of the reasons why I'm more hesitant, but seeing him, the fact that he's 
you know, been in the two deep during the spring um, and, and been a part of that rotation, I think he can be that. But I want to see it on the field first. So that he's one of the guys I definitely, when he comes on the field, one, I think people are going to be excited about that um, on, on a Saturday, just seeing that number come out there. But two, I want to see, you know, I will be keeping an eye when I do see him come on. You know, similar when Max Gibbs came in last year. It's like, okay, well, I got to get photos of Max Gibbs playing nose tackle and let me see what he can actually do. Um, so that, that's someone with Solomon, just because one, we're not seeing those things in practice. We don't get to see any true actual competition periods that I want to, I, I will definitely be keeping an eye on, on September 3rd. Well, remember, yeah. we did get to see a little bit of a scout team last season. We did get true. to see, obviously, but scout team is different. But, you know, there were times when he was the most fun thing to watch <laughs> on the field at times because we're watching right over. And he was in their ass sometimes. Yeah. He was giving them fits. So much so that I heard that the last staff told him to tone it down because they didn't like that. Yeah. Which, like... Because it was basically... Yeah, you're, it's, you're basically scout team stuff and you're trying to, like, run the offense and he's... That's what your scout team should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. It should be, be... Trying to beat somebody every single time. Trying yeah. to take that's what you. Position. That's what you want. You want your scout team guys not giving an F and coming for starting spots because they want to get off scout team. They want to make plays. Yeah. But there is the balance. There's always the balance because you don't want a starter being injured at the same time. Yeah. Sure, but... Uh, if you stop him then. We're going to get some more questions. I, there's one thing I forgot to mention from media day. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking to Josh Henson, the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and he had something interesting to say, get, kind of get your thoughts on this. He said when he was at Missouri, um, they had a similar situation. So Gary Pinkle's a head coach. Gary Pinkle was a guy that likes to rotate offensive linemen, not you know fully rotate, but bring in guys for a couple of series, you know, and USC has been notoriously bad at playing guys that weren't the starters. They weren't, you know, they don't get in leads. They, they're not, they haven't been good at getting backup quarterbacks in or just, so guys, unless they're starting, they're not really getting the experience. He said they had a really veteran group that was the starting five. And then they had three guys that they liked to bring in and they would bring them in for a series, you know, a couple series here and there throughout the throughout the game and then over the season they end up getting a couple hundred snaps each all three of those backup offensive linemen are playing the nfl now so i mean it worked out for them and they were you know they were talented young players and they got some opportunities there and he kind of hinted at the fact that this was something that they could potentially do at usc you got those veteran guys the brett nilons and andrew Voorhees and uh you know justin didich's and stuff you know you, you know it there's a bunch of veterans, but you also have some young guys that might be getting mixed in. If it's Cortland Ford or John Monheim, wherever they're kind of you know bringing these guys in, uh, it would be interesting to see if they use like a, a seven or eight man rotation where here's your starting five, but uh, first series, of the second quarter, these three guys are coming in or the two guys are coming in and they get some opportunities. So I, I thought that would work out pretty well, and it would be something that kind of especially next year when you lose all that veteran leadership. You want to, you're going to have to build off some of these young guys in the, in the recruiting class. If they never play, that's not going to help them. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting tidbit from Josh Henson. So we've seen this before at USC. You know, we've seen Chuma Adoga get some opportunities as a freshman. We've seen even Marcus Martin starting as a true freshman a while back. Um, but in last year, the young guys won those jobs out of camp. So instead of Jalen McKenzie or Justin Dietrich being on there, you had two you know, second year freshman offense tackles. Um, so, and then as the season progressed, you know, the, the line morphed into what it became at the very end when Cortland Ford uh, got hurt and then ended up getting mono, you know, you have, uh, you know, Jonah Monheim had some ups and downs. So, you know, seeing those guys, the, those two young guys really got opportunity. The problem right now with USC is 
do you trust number seven and number eight to want to put them in there for those few series? And, you know, who's going to be that? And I asked that question to Cortland Ford. I said, hey, we know who number one through six is. You know, we, we know that those three interior guys are going to be there. Those three veterans. Justin Dietrich has really established himself. After talking with a couple different guys, talked about how he's, you know, just taking his game to another level. So, you know, Andrew Voorhees, Justin Dietrich, Brett and Elon are going to be in there. Now you have three guys battling for those two tackle spots with Bobby Haskins coming in and joining the mix with Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim. The question is, who's number seven? Who could be that number eight? And so that's going to be the thing because they've had such struggles with their offensive line recruiting is who can step up. Now, one name that Cortland Ford gave me or the two names that he gave me were Mason Murphy as a tackle and maybe even some guard. And then Gino Quinones as, you know, the backup guard. So, you know, we'll see if those end up being the guys. And maybe they do. They've proven themselves enough in practice where they get in some rotation. But that's a big question mark for me is do they trust 7 and 8 to be able to run them out there for a couple series a game to give them that experience? I, th- I think Mason Murphy's a guy you really mm-hmm. want to try to give that experience to. Because even, you know, one, he was hurt last year, so he didn't get to practice all season. But he's also a super young football player you know a green football player I guess is the right word he didn't play a ton you know in high school you know I think he started his sophomore year if I want to remember correctly maybe his freshman year but he didn't play you know youth football growing up and stuff so you know he's a guy that you want to get those extra reps and I think he's a guy that has a a bunch of potential so maybe he can be number seven we'll have to see you know once the season rolls around yeah and he didn't get a full true freshman season because he did have that ankle injury and surgery so he was a little bit behind but yeah everyone's really high on Mason Murphy and thinks he's going to be a guy out there at tackle. So that would be like priority number one in terms of getting that guy some some playing time this season and, and blowouts or, you know, a couple series here and there, whatever that may be, right tackle, left tackle, interior, get him some guard work because they need depth there. So, yeah, get Mason on the field in some, some capacity. Yeah. Here's a question uh, from Gary. Any chance USC could still get a late acquisition for a punter in 2022? So if you didn't know, Atticus Bertram, uh, we know he's not going to be attending – USC, do we know he really ever existed? We do not know. Um, never, never saw knows. really anything from him. Uh, he was part of this class, very small class, and he's not coming. Uh, there was a commit, like USC got a commitment, right? But I didn't know. I didn't really pay enough attention, Chris. Is it a 2022 guy, 23 guy? Do we know? These kickers are like mystery men. Are you talking about Garth White? No. no. They, they picked up a, an, another Australian punter. Oh, I got you, yeah. But I do not know. He's got an interesting name. I thought it was a fake name, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's an interesting name. I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, but I don't know what class he's in. I'm still trying to figure that out, what class he's in. Um, so potentially, this could be the guy. Um, but yeah, you know, Lincoln has alluded multiple times to uh, they have a plan or they have something in place to try to help out the punting situation. So... Um, yeah, I would I would assume that there would be a punting addition at some point, whether it's this uh, this new commit or maybe something uh, like an older player out of the portal. Yeah, to come, Riley come said as that. much. He didn't give us what his plan was, but he said there's a plan. Um, who's the the walk on punter that's been getting the work? Uh, Will Rose. Will Rose, yeah, a former like wide receiver at St. John Bosco. Ah, nice. Uh, and Chris Trevito has some eligibility, so he might jump in there. We'll see. Check. Uh, what do you think? No thanks. You know what? I'm, okay, David had a question. Do you believe that we will see blowouts this season to see Miller Moss play? Excited to see him play in Lincoln Riley's offense. Yes. You'll get one week one. There will be yeah, blowouts. Guaranteeing one week one. There will be – there's not going to be these situations where you're like, oh, you hope to see this kid play. He doesn't get a chance, you know. 
uh, because USC is not blowing anybody out. They're going to blow some people out. Would you bet your life that they blow? My I, life. I would not bet anyone's life. My anything. life. Yeah. My life. I don't bet lives. Um, no, but I, I'm, it's going to be a blowout and not like Western Michigan where USC pulled away in the fourth quarter or Arkansas. I mean, I, I think it would be more like Arkansas State under Steve Sarkeesian mm-hmm. where true blowout. You get a bunch of freshmen in there. Some of them make some plays in the fourth quarter, and you go, ooh, that guy could be really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, that poor Augustine guy, he's not so bad. Maybe they should get him on the field. Yeah. You know, those type of things. Um, I, I think you'll see that against Rice at least. And then, you know, I, I think this this offense just has the chance to be so explosive with the playmakers that they've added, you know, e- even from the spring. When you add Jordan Addison, you add Relique Brown in there, like those are dynamic players that can turn – a wide receiver screen or, you know, a quick game throw, a quick hitch into seven points, 80 yards down the field. Yeah. So, you know, they can make people miss themselves even if, you know, you don't have the best blocking or something. So when you add those type of players, that just gives you that much more potential. You don't have to work so hard for everything. And that was the – unfortunately, that was the real issue with the offense last year is they weren't getting those explosive plays that they had gotten with – Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, those guys. Um, and even with some of those guys, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn's, like they were getting some explosive plays but weren't getting them for seven, and then USC would struggle in the red zone. So I think a couple of those players they've added this offseason have that potential that no one's catching them from behind, and, you know, and they can make a guy miss and take it to the house. And you know can re- and that just gives you so much energy when one of those plays does happen to It them. does. Uh, we had a question from John on YouTube. What's the biggest difference for practices now versus practices in the past? I mean, Shaka kind of mentioned something earlier, just the crispness between... Snappiness? Yeah. Uh, You remember the Pete Carroll days, or you guys don't, but um, I remember, I mean, there wasn't a lot of conditioning going on. It was sort of like you were running from drill to drill. They were, they were moving. There was never a time where you weren't there. Were, the whole team wasn't sitting around watching the punter go. Like uh, if this was, you know, you're always going from spot to spot. And I'm getting a more of a sense of that now where you feel like there's a, not a, lot of a better tempo. Yeah. There's not as much wasted time. Uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts you guys have? I think there's more position battles, which I think le- leads itself to greater competition, more, fire more all that stuff and and maybe that's just because there's so many new faces and we don't know exactly what they can do whereas in the past it was established hey there's an older guy he's already been a starter or he's you know the guy to step up uh so but i think at least for this fall camp with so many new faces and so many unknowns with a new offense new defense i feel like there's going to be more position battles going in where you just don't know and even not just first string, but second string too. You know who's going to be that backup for a lot of positions. So I think that just lends itself to more competition, more fire, and more energy. Yeah, it lends into the culture of like whoever's playing the best is going to start. You know, it's not what you did last year, what your ranking is, or so. You know, which is some of those things we we kind of felt with past teams. This is if you earn if you're starting, you earned it. You beat out everyone. It doesn't matter if you were a walk on. Or a five star, or a three star, or whatever, a transfer. If you're beating everyone in practice, you're going to start, and that lends itself to the competition. It's like anyone can start on this team, and that seems to be, you know, one of the main components of this culture. Yeah, and, and the, the punter's name was Aiden Sleep Dalton Gary Lewis. Says is that correct, Chris? Yeah, and I think it's he's 23. They were saying in the chat, so he's. We a have 23. to see if that's true. Um, okay. 
we're still working. I guess Chris is working on it because those Aussies, you never know. They could be. I'm hitting up the punter underworld. Like, nice. I mean, the punter depending underworld. Depending on their age, they may be uh, eligible sooner rather than later. Like, true. Uh, yeah. Like, could be a 40 year old man. I don't know. Yeah, like we, we're not really sure. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk a lot of recruiting today because it's fall camp oh, starting. Right. But that's okay. Larry uh, on Facebook says, "What's going on with the Malachi Nelson recruitment? Seems like there's a lot of smoke for decommitting." We can say to Larry, Chris. I would say listen to the latest composite two star recruit podcast. That's Ooh. what I would say. That's what Plug. I would say. We literally did like a whole hour on it. Yeah. Full hour. Did you want a quick answer? No, you gotta go get Gerard's full hour. I mean, I, a quick answer. I would say it's no, definitely. Full, full <laughs> I would say full hour. I would say <laughs> I would say something to keep an eye on. You know, obviously we talk about in recruiting it's not what you say, it's what you do. Your actions speak much louder. Like, if you tell people, you, I'm not taking visits, and you go and take visits, I'm not saying that's what Malachi did, but I'm saying if that's what you say on record and you put it out there and you go and take visits, what does that say? I under, I agree that the optics are kind of bleh because, you know, he is the leader of a class that USC is building. And obviously in this day and age, NIL runs a lot of stuff. And obviously Texas A&M, one of the bigger names in the collective NIL spaces. So that's always something you're going to have to look at because obviously on paper, you look at it, Lincoln Riley, USC, Malachi Nelson, quarterback, SoCal, it all just fits, you know, but we talk about this on the composite two-star recruits, always going to plug it, but you can't really think logically in the age of NIL because the money and these deals and stuff, they sway a lot of things. So it can be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just got to keep monitoring it. You know, I think if USC handles what they need to do on the field, I think Malachi will be fine and this class will be fine, intact or whatever. But it's definitely something to watch. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. You can't just be like, "Oh, it's just visit." Definitely. He's one of those guys that can get to get his own deals, like a Caleb Williams, and he'll right. you know, without having some collective just drop a pile of money on you know his doorstep. I think he can get a lot of money. He can take advantage of being in LA and and being at USC. But um, definitely check out that composite two-star recruit because we do a really, you know, sometimes it goes off a little bit on a tangent because yeah. that's what Gerard does. But we give you a lot of insight and context to NIL and then, you know, directly like what it means for USC and Malachi Nelson. Which is why it's a great time to sign up at USC Football. Yeah, go go sign up. And that podcast is free, by the way. Just to- Yeah, free podcast. But 50% off your annual membership. Just go do it. You want to smash that like button wherever you are. You want to subscribe. Just go over to uscfootball.com, VIP membership. And if you don't want to do the annual thing, which is great, obviously half off, you can sign up for a month for $1. So just go do it. It's absolutely insane right now. The site's been growing and growing. Tons of content going up. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you'll you'll love it. Go to the Peristyle. You can be chatting with USC fans 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's absolutely crazy. They'll say some insane things, and you're going to be like wanting to punch your keyboard. Like, how can you say that? But that's what we do, and, ever, and we all love it. Um, Roman wants to know, is Max Williams healthy? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he looks good out there. Um, I mean, he looked good when Some he was like working day. on Comeback player of the year. Book yeah, it. I think. Uh, Ooh, solo fans are not going to be happy. Ooh. Can Solo come back? Like, I don't know. Was it? He never was there, right? Like, that, they're really not going to like that. I guess Max Williams back. wasn't really there either. Now, he's done some stuff. But, um, I yeah, he's one of the dudes I'm high on. Just, you don't, if. if like if he goes to the NFL Combine, you're not going to be blown away. He's just a guy that just plays a football, football. He plays football. 
And you need guys like that. And so I think he's going to be someone that you're just be like, oh, wow, Max Williams made a play. You're like, yeah, that's do, what he does. Do we have any questions? Because we time for rapid fire. But we literally had a commitment on Saturday. <laughs> Braylon Shelby. Oh, yeah. We literally. Ryan, do better. Friendswood, Texas. This is more about the team stuff than like it's USC here, why don't you give over a, Texas. Yeah, give a give a quick thing on that. We're gonna we're gonna probably wrap this up here in a couple minutes. But uh, what? But we literally had a commitment. That's a big okay, thing. So yeah. tell. I don't have my breaking news thing up. Uh, tell us about the commitment. Yeah, USC got a commitment from uh, Braylon Shelby, six foot four and a half, two hundred thirty five pound edge rusher out of Friendswood, Texas. Beat out Texas Longhorns. They were their final his final two USC and Texas. Uh, consensus four-star prospect. He has just had a massive rise over the last several months of spring and summer in rankings and also on recruiting boards across the country with colleges. And, you know, Texas A&M offered him, Florida offered him, you know, a bunch of programs wanted this kid. And he's a consensus four-star recruit. I believe number 133 in the composite, number 156 for us. He went from unranked to 156 in our recent, our most, our latest top 247 update and this is a big pickup this is the fourth commitment for usc in the last 20 days they are on a little bit of a roll now picking up some steam you know they had that july 4th where nothing went their way uh francis maoyoga chose miami a bunch of other guys they were running for went other places lucas simmons a couple days after went to uh florida state so it wasn't a great start to start to july but usc is now churning along here with four commitments last 20 days and they're coming from all over you know Taka curtis louisiana micah benuelos washington malachi crawford california and now braylon shelby out of texas so usc is going across country getting these kids move up to number 12 in the nation uh huge pickup just because a defensive front player which is where they need to restock pair him with Taka curtis and you gotta you need some defensive linemen but to get linebackers and edge rushers like this very good very good pickup all right well, we're going to wrap this up here in a few minutes, but Shotgun, you want to go through some uh, rapid-fire right. ones? Rapid-fire. Roman, question. Prediction starting D-line, and does Peely look healthy? Everything we've heard, Peely is healthy. Starting D-line predictions. I mean, we all think that Tulu Pelotu is going to be there. Depending if you're counting the edge, you're going to have either Romello Height or Corey Foreman. They could basically be co-starters, I think. Uh, you know, I think that's going to eventually going to be the case. But who are the two other spots potentially along with Tula Tupelotu on that line? So Nick Figueroa, I would put I would in say there. Nick, yeah, and Stanley Tauafu, aka the Tongan Terror. He's operating as the one. Did so in spring. Was the look like the guy in the brief time I got to see defensive team drills or you know the pursuit drills. He was the first guy out in the middle of that defense. So. The Tongan Terror holding it down. Yep. I still think Court, that Brandon Peely needs to step up and, and be a dude and take over that starting spot. He's a fifth-year guy or six-year guy, I believe, even now. So I think he's the guy that needs to step up. Um, fifth or sixth, I can't remember. Yeah, but, I asked Sean New about him. And, you know, I, I think it was it was either – I can't remember if it was Alex Grinch or Sean New. I mean, it might have been Grinch. And, you know, there were some guys you talk about coming back. He was like, hey, he's got to be available, you know, and and I think they, he seemed a little upset that he wasn't fully available as, enough in the spring. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. But it it seemed, I think it was Grinch. It, was, it seemed a little cautious on like, yep, you gotta, he's got to go out there and prove it, though. So, uh, we'll try to watch and see what he does this fall. Gordon asked or said, Cortland Ford looks huge compared to when he first got here. Shanks then questioned, how does Cortland Ford look? Cortland Ford looks great. Yeah. I mean, he was—he's always looked physically impressive, but he looks, you know, built 
And I even joked with him. He was like, because I asked him about Wiley. He said, man, they're doing a great job. I just feel so much better in terms of my body. I feel like the best shape of my life. And I was like, he feels, I feel like a unit. And I was like, man, you were a unit when you came in. He was like, no, I thought I was a unit when I came in. So <laughs> I thought that was good. So he definitely, I guess this, this, this offseason has really opened his eyes. And yeah, he looks great. I mean, he always, he's always been an eye catcher. He looked like an NFL dude when he walked on campus, but he just looks further. You know, he's a little bit sleeker, more powerful up top. He's got that athleticism. I know that's something he was excited about in spring in terms of pulling with this offense. So I think he's going to knock some dudes over this year. Nice. Roman asked, does Sierra Wright have a legit chance to start? I think that second cornerback spot is just up in the air right now. Yeah. So I don't think that there's any reason from what we saw of him as a high school player that he doesn't have the potential to take over that spot. So we'll see. He uh, was operating as the one opposite of Makai in team pursuit drills. So looks like he's holding down from the spring because that's where he ended last year or last uh, spring or spring. Yeah. John, which group on the defense looks the best so far? I mean, it's really hard to say. I mean, like we we don't we get to watch some position drills. Like, that's yeah, we it. don't get to see the full. I'll make a little adjustment. Which group on the defense do you have the most confidence in? Oh, I that's would a good question. Say D line because I think they have the most experience. Interesting. That's the part that I would have the most concern yeah. with. I kind of like the safeties. I think I would maybe go there. I think that's a good call. You know, if you're separating the safeties by themselves, or even if you're adding that nickel back and adding Max Williams, I think the safeties. Yeah. Lance, uh, that's not a good question. <laughs> wow, just putting Lance on blast there. Uh, this was an interesting one. Hot Ninja said, Miller Moss and the majority of the wide receivers are too talented to be second string. How do we play all this talent and keep them on the team for next season? Now, of course, we think that there's going to be more opportunities for the backups to play, but that's still a good question because when you acquire as much talent as USC has, everyone's not going to get to play as much as they want. Right. Lincoln and, Riley did talk about playing like 10 wide receivers and they only got like 11, right? So that would be most everybody playing. But even then you might have some starters that might be upset. They're not playing as much yeah. as they think they should. So how do you kind of keep everyone happy here? Keep scoring. Keep winning. I think is the, win, the best answer yeah. there. You win, it doesn't matter. Most of the time. Because I think Gerard pointed this out on a podcast recently and he said, you know, when, it, when, when everybody's winning, everyone's okay to take a little less. Right. But then when you're losing, you go, well, if I was out there, we'd be winning. Mm -hmm. Everyone, your, your high-end recruits all think that. And that's the same thing with the guys that are coming in as freshmen um, or, you know, or high school seniors saying they commit to a team that's struggling. But like, well, when I get there, it'll be different. Yeah. So I think that's something. Uh, Mr. FL said, deepest position on both sides of the ball. Wide out? Definitely. Yeah, I would say defense. the wide out. I asked – Josh Henson about that, and he's uh, just on the offensive side. He said wideouts, and I think they would be deeper than everybody else. I would so. say safeties. Safeties are pretty deep too. We had a couple questions. Does Josh Follow finally break out this year? Is he just a depth piece? Is Josh Follow looking like a problem out there on the field early this fall? He had a one-handed catch they put on social media. He had one of those Dominated. in spring too. So yeah, it looks great, but you still gotta, you yeah. know. I asked a couple questions about him with Zach Hansen. Ryan, what, what kind of stood out to you from what Hanson said about Josh Follow? I don't remember what he said about Josh. <laughs> okay. At least he's honest, folks. At least he's honest, folks. I'm okay. trying to think of like what he said. One of the things he said is, I need to see him in pads. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. And he's talked about that with, I believe, Ethan Ray as well and Lake McCree because he was hurt in the spring. He's like, I need to see these guys in pads before I can you know, anoint that they'll be able to do anything. One of the things that I really thought was interesting that Zach Hanson says is he tells his group basically every day is like, we got to bust our butts to be, you know, to be a group that can add something to the offense. And 
you know, if you look at that wide receiver group, you know, like if the tight ends aren't doing something, I'm putting four or five wide receivers mm-hmm. on the field and leaving that tight end off, you know, unless it's third and one or whatever. So, you know, I think that was very interesting that he, you know, he's verbalizing that with his group that we need to provide some, you know, a different asset for the offense. Yeah. We, we literally talked to guys for three and a half hours straight, so it's hard to remember everything everybody said, so my apologies. But Ryan probably zoned out when I was asking the question. He's like, all right, yeah. he's going to remember this part. Roman, is, is Kyle Ford going to get good playing time this year? I think so. I do. I think, I mean, I, I like, especially he's a bigger body. He talked about blocking. I think that's going to be an important part of what they do. Uh, you know, cause they do like to run the football. They want to be able to block downfield to break bigger plays. He's going to be, he seemed really excited the last time I talked to him about that. So yeah. And he had a big play in the spring game. So yeah, he's got some momentum. David, who are you looking to have a breakout this year on both offense and defense? That's an interesting question as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that we think can do some stuff, but who's going to break out and, I'm going to take away Kalen Bullock because sure. I think he's we all agree that he's going to have a – Well, he's not even on or mentioned. I don't think that counts as – Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think a Kyle Ford has an opportunity to be a breakout guy. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of receivers, I think, that have – because, you know, you have Mario Williams, you have Jordan Addison. Like, I, I mean, you assume those guys are going to play a lot. But some of the guys that were sort of, like, left over, you know, one of them um, – I don't know. Who, who else I mean, do you think? I don't know if Mario Williams has officially broken out. Maybe he already has, but just hearing some of the other players talk about him sounds like he's the break out on a national sense. Yeah, I mean he's already getting some national love, but yeah. Um, and I, I think Brennan Rice does things that I can't do. A ton of receivers. That, yeah. That Again, his body, like he can block. You know, he'll make some blocking plays. Um, he was playing an offense that couldn't throw the ball, so exactly, <laughs> it's an easy pick. Exactly. And I mean, for defense, I would probably sell Romello. Because obviously this guy hasn't done too much in his two yeah. years. And, you know, I think he's a guy who can lead this team in sacks and, you know, be at the top of the Pac-12 if, you know, he puts it all together. So yeah. I would say Romello. Let's do like one or two more and we'll get oh, out we of here. only got one or two more. Perfect. John, who is the third string quarterback? That would be Jake Jensen. He is mm. a BYU bounce back. If you don't know what a bounce back is, that means they start at a Power 5 school, they go to a junior college, and then they bounce back to another Power 5 school. Or not necessarily Power 5, but Division 1 school. Yeah. Um, so he's a guy that's talented enough to be at a Division 1 school coming out of high school. Juco. Decided to go Juco so he can get some playing time and has come back. Probably the most notable one of those type of guys of recent is uh, is Stetson Bennett at, at Georgia. You know, He had to go to Juco to be able to get some playing time and came back. Another one from a little bit farther back, Cam Newton, did the same thing. Yeah. But his was off the field issue. Um, and then David had a question. Do you believe the O-line will be better than last year, especially with this new system? Yes. Yeah, I think the O-line was pretty good last year, too. I think people give it a knock, but they got significantly better from 2020 to 2021. They brought in Clay McGuire. I thought he did a good job. They were better on short yardage. Um, a lot of the guys graded out better. But, yeah, I think the offensive line will be better. But it don't look at last year as like the offensive line was terrible. The team was terrible, but the offensive line was actually better than it was the year before. We'll see. I mean, one they're one injury away from being in, in serious trouble, I think. We'll yeah. see where Mason Murphy and Gino Quinones and that next group are uh, for that. Alex, the final question here. Alex said, would it make sense for USC to build a mini campus in Indiana <laughs> close to Chicago Midway within two to four hours of most Big Ten schools? This could cut travel time. USC could rent it to UCLA as well, talking about when USC moves to the Big Ten in 2024. I, I don't hate Ryan, it. Ryan, you laughed, but – I don't think it's a terrible idea, to be honest. I mean, you don't need a campus. You can do remote learning everywhere. So I, I don't know if you need a mini campus. Yeah, but, I mean, get some housing there where they can come in and yeah. out. You can just have it as a study home base. You know, you know you're know, you going to have a season. You can just 
uh, or a long season, you know, traveling, just how's those guys there? Do do the remote work? Yeah, if you're gonna have to have, if you think you're gonna have at least one time where you're staying over, you know, you have back to back weeks. You know, it's not. I don't think it's a terrible idea. I don't hate it. All right, maybe and like if you're talking like if you're there. If you're there for like a week and you're the football team, there's like a weight room and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe you know, the so you field. can kind of do your yeah practice field. Look, you're you're already on it. I, okay, I'm, talking, I'm coming around. Mini campus. I mean, if it's a long term investment, you know, and you can potentially rent it out to you know UCLA, but you can rent it out to other you know programs that come through when you're not using it, could be useful. People Mini campus. Stay, people could stay at the the USC hotel suiting like. Fans, you can mm-hmm. stay there, rent rent it out, make some coin. Yeah, uh, you, you can you keep it USC. You have to do something like University, like South Columbus or something. Or just put it like near, you know, put it near Ohio State. Yeah, put it in Columbus somewhere, South Columbus. You uh, go for put, put it next door to Notre Dame. Next, <laughs> except <laughs> like, much more on. accessible. They would haze it all the time. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed the show. Great to see. Shotgun here. Hopefully, you know, don't headbutt any more helmets or anything, Shoddy. And try uh, to get it fixed. Yeah, get it, get that all fixed up. Uh, and uh, thanks for being here in studio. It's great to see you. We'll see you for games and stuff too. And I uh, would love to see you back, Chris Trevino. Back in September for the, uh, the my next show in studio. I believe will be the Thursday. Once flights go well, the Thursday leading into the Rice game. Nice. Uh, yeah, we'll do when the season gets started. We'll do like a Thursday show to preview, and we'll do a Sunday night show again to recap what's been going on. So Shadi should be uh, in person for a bunch of them. That'll be kind of nice. Uh, and then Chris Torino, we'll see you on Tuesday. We'll yeah, do whatever. We'll, we'll do our podcast. <laughs> see me. We'll do, you'll sleep it. Yeah, me too. Uh, but thank you everyone for tuning in. We had a whole bunch of people watching live. And if you're watching uh, uh, on the replay on any of the platforms, we appreciate that. And if you're listening to the podcast version of the show, we put up later. Uh, we appreciate that as well. Make sure you get over to uscfootball.com. Subscribe 50% off. Best deal you can get. It's definitely going to be worth it. You're going to love it. If you're if you're watching to the end of the show, you should be, and you're not a subscriber, jump in there and do it. Uh, you can do it for as little as a dollar. So we appreciate that. And I appreciate all you out there listening, watching. Uh, it's great. And the interaction on the, uh, the, chat, the chat box has been a lot of fun too. So we'll keep doing that. We'll start taking live calls here coming up soon. And uh, those are always fun too. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, we will talk to you next time.